0: Verses 11 to 16. It can be found on page 1175 in the Pew Bibles. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach it. Knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunningness, cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. So, first time, um, I'd like to invite Tom Ford uh, and to come and share the Lord's Word with us. So, come on, <laughs> Father. Just as as Tom speaks just to now, Lord, we pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, that he would be speaking your Word, and that he would be making you known. And Father, as he blesses us as a congregation, we pray that you would bless him richly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: No pressure at all. That's why I'm a canon. I don't even know what a canon does, really. I just said yes to the Archbishop as usual. Listen, this is very important for us all, and I know it's all strange for us all, but before I start, I just wanted to to say um, a really huge thank you to everybody who's been involved in the journey so far getting us this far as, as the O'Briens, into Crinkin. There's been a huge amount of work, as, as some of you will know, but many of you probably don't know, the amount of work that's gone on with the house, and with the catering, the music, and the worship, and the cleaning, and everything that's gone on in the interview process, the interview process, and the interview process. <laughs> so you'll think, I think I'm okay. <laughs> but listen, I just want to say thank you. It's been a wonderful, wonderful journey, actually. Um, and I, 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 I jest, but... Um, it's very important because when you have a new leader coming at a time that's so pivotal for a church as it is for Crink, you need to make sure all those boxes are ticked. You need to know that God is in your control. And I think for ourselves as a family, we have been just doing nothing but praying about this and we know that we're in the right place and we know that this is God-directed. And we just want to thank you for all of your support in getting us here so far. And so in that spirit, it's not a great way to start, is it? <laughs> Now, who under 50 in this, in this congregation recognizes what this is? I'll go to the young people at back. Do you know what that is? You do? That's okay. Otherwise, it'll go very, very wrong this morning. But in the coming weeks, we're going to be contemplating um, new beginnings and the nature of our con- collective journey here in Crinkin community. And our focus is defining what that shared path looks like. What is it that we, not I, that we are going to be doing. And central to this journey is our aspiration to emulate Jesus. And that has to be the central focus of everything that we do because everything that we do in our lives has to emulate him. So in Ephesians 4, to 13, Paul outlines the lofty goal of church leaders, plural, to equip the congregation for acts of service Leading to growth of the body of Christ, unity in faith, and deepening knowledge of the Son of God. So, the goal, while inspiring, implies a striving to reach a goal rather than immediate attainment. Sometimes we just want things to happen straight away, but it's a journey, it takes time, and the Christian life, as emphasized in this passage, is similar to that journey. So, the apt analogy for the collective journey is found, I thought, very theologically, in The Wizard of Oz. And just as Dorothy and her companions followed the yellow brick road, our faith community strives to reach a goal, treads a path of unity in Christ. Ephesians 4.3 tells us that that unity serves us because it is a shared journey, leading us towards an ultimate destination of becoming more like him. We're not reaching the Emerald City We are trying to strive to be more like Christ. And as a result, we all have individual differing interpretations of what that means. What does it mean to act as a collective, to strive to be like Him? We can see from this reading that attaining the whole measure of Christ is a process. And it's a collective process. Becoming more and more like Jesus is not something that you do while you are sitting still either. Paul said we are to grow until we become like Christ. Growth involves movement. It involves change, constant change from the time we meet Christ until the day we die. But this is not often well understood. When I was young and going to Bible camp, there was always a segment at the end of the week when we were giving our testimonies, and I was always very inspired by people who were doing that. And it was often nice to hear how mature Christians had met God and had submitted Christ. But it always seemed as though after the group finished and after the week finished, there was nothing else. There was no next step except to just come into the church and be part of the congregation. Now that you've committed, that's it. You're done. Into church and off you go. Now, as an adult I know that that is a continued journey. But as a child or as a teenager I was still sitting there thinking, I don't know what did I just do? What does it mean for me? How do I make it better? Is there something else that I have to do to motivate myself? Quite often, there is nothing for some people. I remember actually when I came from my camp in Waterford, I was living in a place called Passage East. I don't know if anybody knows it. A little car ferry goes in and goes out. And I didn't have a bicycle at the time, but when I was after just coming to Christ at a Bible camp, I had no church to go to. Um, I think it was about 13 miles to the nearest one. But in I went, um, and I didn't even know what type of church I was to go to. So I went to the first one that was nearest me after walking 13 miles, and that happened to be a Baptist church, and there I heard a little bit more about what this Jesus does for you as an individual. But some people aren't so lucky about things like that. They come from a Bible camp where they come and they hear about Jesus and they hear a wonderful message. They yearn for more, but then they don't know where to go to find that collective. So unity in Christ means that we follow a journey together. We follow on the yellow brick road. And just as Dorothy and her companions follow the yellow brick road, we too follow a path. The path is unity in Christ. Ephesians tells us that we We must make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace and this unity is our road it is our shared journey and just as the road guided Dorothy to the Emerald City our unity in Christ leads us to the ultimate destination which is to become more like him and journeying is not something new in the Christian tradition think about Abraham who made the journey of faith from his hometown of Ur to the land of Canaan Think about Jacob and his family who made the journey through um, from Canaan all the way down to the land of Egypt to be with Joseph. Or think about Moses who led the Israelites as they journeyed through the wilderness from Egypt back to Canaan. When we come into the New Testament, we talk about Jesus as he journeyed with his disciples throughout the land. He traveled from town to town and his disciples traveled with him. They listened to his words they learned from him. They spent time with Jesus and they learned as much from what they saw as from as much as from what they heard. Jesus' teaching was demonstrated in various activities. These are the simple things I want us as a congregation to understand because we're all part of a collective and sometimes it's the simple things. Jesus was eating meals He liked to be with people, touching people, washing feet, praying, listening to others, reading scripture, worshipping together. In other words, Jesus didn't simply talk about what it meant to follow God. He lived it out and specifically our journey is a journey with Jesus and because we're not just traveling for the sake of traveling, we have to have a purpose. It must have a destination and our goal is to be a group of people who look like Jesus, who talk like Jesus, who love like Jesus. The journey won't always be pleasant and that's why in our reading this morning we hear about everybody who has unique gifts. Dorothy, the scarecrow, the tin man and the cowardly lion They all possessed individual and distinct qualities. But they did not realize what gifts they had. Each one of them wanted to get to the Emerald City to find courage, to get a brain, or to find a heart. But as it turns out, they had them all along. They had these qualities in abundance. But individually, they couldn't recognize their talents. Instead they only looked and they saw weaknesses. But collectively, they found courage. They learned to love. They fought scary flying monkeys without knowing the strength that they had in unity. And as a church community, we also have been endowed with gifts and spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4.11 tells us that. These gifts are not meant to be hoarded but shared for the common good. And like Dorothy's friends, we complement one another Some of us have gifts of teaching, others of serving, others of encouraging. And together we have to build up that body of Christ. But it's not also about giving. As Dorothy's companions faced their limitations, we too also acknowledge that we all have weaknesses. It's not always a simple path. But Ephesians 4.14 reminds us not to be infants easily tossed by every wind of teaching, We recognize that we have vulnerabilities too. Vulnerabilities keep us humble. They keep us reliant on God's grace. The journey on the Yellow Brick Road wasn't without challenges. For me it was a story of growth. And as they went further and further down the Yellow Brick Road, they had discussions, they supported one another, and it led to their own growth as a group and transformation. Ephesians 4:15 to 16 encourages to grow up in every way in Christ, the head of the body. Our unity and collective use of gifts enable us to mature as individuals and as a church. Together we become more like Christ, our ultimate destination. But it's also important to recognize that we take the journey together. Now, we all grow and I think when I was starting off in work or in the HSE years ago, I was sort of an introvert and I probably still have a sense of some of that about me. Sometimes we don't get on with other people, it's important to recognize that. Sometimes churches can be uncomfortable places to be, let's acknowledge it. But we are better together and that's a biblical process. When we journey together with others, it's easier because we can encourage each other along the way. We keep each other company. We challenge each other. Dorothy and the gang tackled the Wicked Witch of the North together, but while the thought of facing the witch was scary at the start, by the end of the movie we see the goal was that everybody collectively wanted to get Dorothy back to Kansas. God never wants us or intends for us to travel alone. And that's why the church was established. We need each other because traveling this journey with Jesus is not a solo enterprise. When Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples, he sent them out two by two. When he sent out the 70 disciples to share the good news, he sent them out in pairs. Wherever he went, Jesus formed communities. Human beings are meant to be social beings. Adam was alone. God decided he needed a partner in Eve. In today's society, we see an erosion of community because of the increase of globalization and social media. And one commentator I remember suggested that while mobile technology has never connected human beings more in any time in the world, We've never actually been so lonely. We are social beings in need of connection, in need of relationships. We flourish when we're together. And that's why being part of a church is important because it's important to say that as we move, we become more Christ-like as we do it along the way. We do it slowly, it's not a race. That's why the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 that we need to run with perseverance. As we travel together in each other's company, we not only find safety and encouragement, we find Jesus himself walking beside us. From the beginning, Jesus meant for us to travel together. And the church is a name for a group of people who follow together. Understanding the definition of the Greek word ecclesia is an essential component of understanding what it is to be a church. Ecclesia is a Greek word defined as a called out assembly or congregation. 1 Peter 2.9 says that this called out assembly is a congregation of believers whom God has called out of the world and into his marvelous light. And in the weeks ahead, our focus will be on exploring what it entails to journey alongside Jesus. That's what I want to start with in the coming weeks. Cultivating spiritual growth as we transition from one stage of our spiritual lives to another. Our approach involves delving into the various spiritual disciplines that can be embraced, not only as an individual, but more so as a community. For instance, personal prayer is an individual spiritual discipline. Very good to do it. But as I've seen this morning, congregational prayer with the church embodies a communal spiritual practice. The truth is that we require both in order to be more like Jesus. Some aspects of personal spiritual growth necessitate attention. But the emphasis that I want in the coming weeks is an emphasis that will revolve around the communal An important word to underscore here is doing. Spiritual discipline involves activity. It's about what we engage in actively. And I firmly believe that our Christian growth can be gauged through multiple dimensions about what we comprehend, about what we perform, and about what we become. So it's essential to recognize that the primary purpose behind practicing any discipline is not solely about the action itself, but it's about the transformation. Striving to be more like Jesus, to be his presence. The path to greater Christ-likeness involves the practice of engaging in these spiritual disciplines. And I think Paul described it well in 1 Timothy four seven when he says, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. The goal is godliness, but we achieve that by disciplining ourselves. We discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And our spiritual disciplines are things that we need to do repeatedly. And so in this regard, I know we're all a little bit older, but for those of us who know and still engage in exercise, we know that if you do something for 15 minutes just once off, it's not going to do you any good. But if you do it 15 minutes every single day for a long period of time, it is transforming. A recent study on maintaining mobility in older persons suggested that even by walking around the house for 15 minutes each day, hoovering or dusting or doing very light work, light activity, will add something like 10 years onto your life. I don't know how realistic that is, but it is from a report, and it's supposed to be peer-led, so I'm going to go with it. This principle of doing something every day holds true for any endeavor you undertake. Doing something regularly each day over a long period of time does pay off. On the other hand, if you invest your daily moments in complaining and whining, the conduct will gradually become ingrained in your character. So I want us to consider the words that we share on social media. The company that we keep, the television programs that we choose to watch. We know that they all shape and contribute to the shaping of our identity. The contrast between our current self and who we were five years ago primarily results from how we spent our time during that period. The habits we cultivate over time mold our essence. Hence when repeated Consistently, a seemingly unimportant act holds significant transformative power. And that can either be negative or it can be positive. So reading our Bibles daily, praying each day, giving something back to the community each day, or whatever we choose to do, will provide massive benefits, not only for the individual giving, but also for the person receiving. And it's often referred to as in today's modern medical term, building resilience. Resilience was building in the friends' hearts and minds as they traveled along the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. Ordinary actions possessed the potential for profound transformation, and while Jesus undoubtedly performed miracles that affirmed his divinity, a considerable portion of his life with his disciples revolved around routine activities. Sharing meals, chatting, walking, sitting, engaging socially, lending an ear, offering comfort, and narrating stories. Ordinary things can transform lives. And so as we consider this morning new beginnings and what these new beginnings ought to look like, it might include ordinary things. Sometimes you don't have to think big. Ordinary things. That might edge us more and more confidently down the road to godliness? How do we prepare ourselves to engage more with God and less with the things of this world that distract us and cause us to stumble? If you are feeling this morning as though you are alone on this road, Jesus says, You are not alone. The people of this community are with you and so you can have the courage to ask for help. If you feel afraid of taking the journey to be closer to God don't worry because there is strength in unity and if you feel that somehow you are not good enough to embrace the grace of God this morning stay back before coming to tea and talk to one of us. Jesus Unlike the great Oz is not fake Christ is not fiction he is real he wants to have a relationship with you one where you can grow one where you can learn and one that you can flourish in but it does take effort and discipline and collective support and over the next few weeks let's learn what simple things we can do together to grow together in unity and faith and to become more like Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the powerful message from your word rooted in Ephesians 4. We're just grateful for the insights and truths that you have shared with us. We recognize that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, we ask you that you take the seeds of truth sown in our hearts and water them with your grace. We know that this is a new beginning, a new time, a time of change, and we ask that you just bless us and root deeply within us your spirit. Help us to produce fruit that reflects your character and purpose in our lives. We are mindful of the roles you've assigned within your body, within your collective body and we pray for the equipping of prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers among us. Inspire us, show us what it is that you have the gifts that we might have that can contribute in some way to the growth of your church and ministry in this area. Help us to embrace unity in our faith and knowledge in the Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that we might mature spiritually, become set fast in your truth, no longer easily swayed by false teachings or schemes of this world, but really centered on Christ. And as we begin to leave this place, we want to go forth as members of your body, committed to speaking the truth in love and to building one another up. And we ask that your love and unity be powerful testimony to the world of your transformative work in our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who is the head of the church and in whom we find our ultimate unity and purpose. In Jesus' name.